Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't- Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission went more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my head, on my head. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? Yo, they sent me next to a werewolf! Yo, let me out! Yeah, he's not a werewolf, okay? He's a weasel. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. No. All right. Let's get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! That's my dad. I'm gonna get you out of your life. I'm going to get you out of here alone. Ratatouille, what do you got? Bird. <laughs> now, now it. Stay off the comp. Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. So this week we're talking about director James Gunn's new film, the sequel slash soft reboot to 2016's No Good, Very Bad Suicide Squad, directed by <laughs> David Ayer. Funnily enough, this is titled The Suicide Squad. Which I think is a very odd way to title this. I think it's elegant, but I also think it's very confusing to people who aren't very well versed in like movie news or industry news or what's going on in the DCEU. I talked to a lot of people in real life and they're like, what is this? Is this a sequel? Is this a reboot? They're just not sure. And I don't know if it has an impact on the box office, but we should also get into the box office a little bit because this movie has not performed that well. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. By whose standards, Jeff? Right? By whose standards? Exactly. That's right. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I've seen all the reports too, you know, saying like, oh, it's not doing well in the theaters. I mean, most movies that have been released haven't met to the standards of pre-COVID, right? Like, no movie has even really gotten close to the numbers they probably would be doing pre-COVID. And the fact that we're having, you know, this rise in the Delta variant that is probably making people more cautious and maybe not wanting to go to the theater right now. Right. And I want to believe it's that versus I don't think people are not going to this movie because they don't want to see this movie. Yeah, I'm of the mind that I think this movie would have killed if it weren't for the pandemic. I don't think it would be like Avengers Endgame level smash hit home run, but I think it would have done well. It would have done pretty well. But like to put things in perspective, so worldwide, the Suicide Squad pulled in 72 million, while Black Widow just, what, maybe a month or so ago, pulled in 215. I mean, you can't compare. It's apples and oranges, right? Because Black Widow, when that was released, the Delta variant was nothing. People were like really eager to get back into the theaters, right? And like people were feeling like, oh, we can go out again. Things are winding down. And now that the Delta variant is coming out, people are just scared again, like going back to like 2020 levels of fear of coronavirus. And I think that really has to do a lot with how this movie has underperformed. 
and the whole premiere access where people have to pay $30 versus the HBO Max, which was free, that obviously has an impact too. So I think all these think pieces, like they're trying to figure out why, like that's why. I don't think there's much debate. What do you think, Amir? So you're just saying this would have killed like without COVID, but who's like the draw in this movie? I guess it's Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Because I feel if you're not like a big movie TV person, you're not like that psyched to see Idrisaba. I mean, he's not Will Smith, right? Like in terms of just the draw. Like people were psyched to see uh, the Joker, Will Smith. I don't know. Like, I I just don't know if anybody in this has the draw that... Yeah, but I mean, I think this has legs just because the critical response has been so positive. Pretty much everyone who has seen it has really liked it so far. The The response has been really positive. I think it would have done well. I think what also is driving this vehicle is James Gunn, right? The writer-director of this movie. All right, so I'm going to just say it again in a slightly different way. There's more people out there who will go see a movie because it has Will Smith on it than people who will go see a movie because they know who the fuck James Gunn is. Yeah, but I also think that was very public, right? The whole, like, James God got fired. Yeah, but public for, like, people who are, like, into this shit, right? Like, there are not enough people into this shit to make you $750 million, right? Like, at some point, you I mean, you don't, you don't know that because the, the trailer had it plastered all over it, just in case you didn't know who James Gunn was. The director of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? So mm-hmm, I think true. that had a bit of a draw to it. But you're you're definitely right. I think... Will Smith and, like, the promise of Jared Leto Joker before we knew that he was going to be fucking awful in it, and the appearance of Batman and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, her first appearance, I think that probably has more draw to it. But that's that's probably why that movie overperformed, despite how crummy it was. Mm-hmm. I think that had something to do with how well that first movie did opening weekend, and then it totally tanked afterwards. Um, one of the biggest declines week to week was 2016 Suicide Squad. So I don't know if I would confidently say that it would have made more than that movie because that movie didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, I think I think the DCEU just is not on its last legs, but it's trying to like refine its footing. And like I think with Suicide Squad, the first one, there was still goodwill left where people were really hoping for something great. And the trailer was great for that, too. Yeah, did have a really good trailer. It was a good trailer. And I think that's kind of what fucked the movie, because they were like, well, this movie is nothing like the trailer, so you gotta fucking do a hatchet job on it in the editing room and, and make it more like the trailer, right? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. To your point, Amir, I mean, we would never know, right? We, we're not gonna know, because this is getting released during a time where it's it's contentious to maybe yeah go out in public or go into like an indoor space or go to a movie theater right and and it's also being released on HBO Max for for subscribers so that's also part of the equation of maybe hampering those box offices so it's hard to tell what would have happened but i mean i would confidently say that i think if this movie did come out it would have done better than it is doing now right Oh, for sure, 100%. And I think it would have been successful because I think it would have had good word of mouth. Like, people would have wanted to go see this and maybe even see it more than once. Yeah, I just I just think this day and date stuff is a fucking minefield. I don't think Disney's gotten it right with the $30. I don't think HBO Max has done it right with the the free-to-subscribers either. I think they're just still trying to figure this whole day and date release thing. I don't know why they even did the day and date for for all these movies i think the better strategy would be to shorten the time span between theatrical and streaming slash on demand right i think mm-hmm. you should have just started with that instead of just hammering overkill with same day on streaming and in theaters i think that kills theatrical numbers you want to clarify for people like the differences between these strategies hbo and disney and between day and date like the window you're talking about yeah so your traditional theatrical release something comes out in theaters and then 90 days after or sometimes 120 some time period between those two numbers first it comes out on demand right you pay for it like 20 bucks uh you rent it for like six or seven bucks through your cable provider you watch it on your tv and then maybe another 90 days after that it's on a streaming platform But now with coronavirus, what both Disney and HBO, Warner Brothers, is doing is that they're releasing it on the same day they come out in theaters because they're afraid not too many people are going to theaters. 
and Warner Brothers strategy is to release them for free for subscribers. So if you subscribe to HBO Max, you get the movie for free. You get to watch it. Disney is a little greedier. They have something called Premier Access, where you pay $30, which is, I think, the ticket price for all of the Premier Access ones, right? I don't think anything mm-hmm. is coming below or, or above that. It's 30 bucks, and you get to watch it the same day that it comes out. And obviously, the Disney ones fare better because you're getting the $30. But I think it also kills the legs on the movie because with Black Widow, the second and third weeks have been probably really bad even though they haven't released the numbers for the second and third weeks but like the fact that they haven't released the numbers is is damning enough right i feel like if they did well more people bought it disney would have released the numbers but they haven't so we know the box office numbers were down right yeah yeah i mean the box office is definitely because of the delta variant right between black widow and the suicide squad right and hbo is even worse because it's free and I'm sure like piracy has a lot to do with it, even more so now because no one's willing to go out. So the more tech savvy people are definitely going to just torrent these movies, you know. And I think we're like talking about Black Widow as as a quote unquote success, but it's still really not right. Like it still probably is not going to make as much money as it might have if it maybe just came out in you know an actual theater pre COVID or whatever. I mean, yeah, it probably – okay, I'm going to say, yeah, sure, probably didn't do as well as pre-COVID, but it's one of the – okay, it's the fifth highest grossing film of 2021. Like, I mean, that's not a success. But that means nothing when you're comparing it to any other year, right? Cause like, well, yeah, but you're comparing it against its peers. Or, right, you know, that's true. What, what may or may not be its peers because of the Delta variant, but I, I get what you're saying. But like in this year, it is, it's killing because I guess Disney has a lot of inertia. Right, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there who are gonna go watch watch what they do, and, and DC just doesn't have that. They haven't built up that brand. I mean, speaking of killing, I mean it's killing any relationship it has with Scarlett Johansson, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be remiss to, to not even just at least mention that. Um, if we're talking about like box office, we're talking about Black Widow. I mean, the whole thing with Scarlett Johansson and her, you know, suing the Disney family basically because she feels like she's you know being basically out of some money that she would have earned if the movie had come out only in theaters versus uh, with Disney Plus uh, because her back-end deals are all uh, dependent on... Theatrical only. Theatrical, yeah, theatrical sales, so... So because the theatrical numbers are worse in the pandemic than they normally would be, she feels like she's being cheated out of... uh... Well, that's also worse because it's not accounting for those Disney Plus numbers too, right? And wasn't she promised that explicitly... That they weren't going to do the day and date thing to Black Widow. I mean, that's all like what's kind of being reported. I'm not, yeah, I'm not too sure. Well, I mean, they can say that, and I think that's fine if you say that you're not going to do day and date, and you then change your mind because the industry landscape has changed. I don't want to get too much into this because it's not the subject of the podcast tonight. But like, the problem she has is that she wanted to renegotiate. She was like, "Well, this isn't really fair," and. Everything's changing, but my contract is staying the same. So let's sit down and talk and hash out a new deal. And her calls went unanswered, basically. They didn't get back to her with anything. And the movie came out. It underperformed. She got her paycheck from theatrical only. She didn't get anything from the $60 million that it did on Disney+. Plus. So she's rightfully pissed. I think she's in the right here. She deserves to get her bag, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically what that is, so... So, The Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you guys want to get into this movie? Yeah, so all of those Suicide Squad apologia you guys have been listening to the last 15 minutes uh, is because I think I can speak for all of us. We all liked this movie, and uh, nobody's going out and seeing it. Yeah, I really like this. I really, really like this movie. I'm just bummed that it's getting such a beating at the box office. A lot of people are like, oh, release the Ayer cut, you know, the David Ayer cut, you know, just because Zack Snyder had his own director's cut. But I love this movie. I thought it was great. I think it's the best time I've had at a superhero movie in a long, long time. I think James Gunn was given pretty much carte blanche on... So, I mean, okay, Black Widow came out like a month ago. So you like this way better than Black Widow? I like this much better than Black Widow. I wouldn't say like way better, but like... I think everything 
landed with this movie in terms of its structure. I think its third act is strong, where Black Widow's third act is pretty weak. I think James Gunn's vision came forward in this movie a lot. It's R-rated. I think all the characters are fleshed out and well-drawn, um, even the ones who only had like two or three minutes. I liked pretty much everything about this movie. Are you a James Gunn head? I wouldn't say I'm a James Gunn head, but I do like his stuff a lot. I mean, I've been following him since his trauma days, right? And oh, wow. I don't know if you guys seen this movie, the, the horror movie Slither. He directed that, too. That's a load of fun. Nathan Fillion is in that, too. Lots of body horror, gross-out humor. I would say that, like, people going in expecting Guardians of the Galaxy, it's kind of like that, but not really. It's got that R-rated edge to it. Mm-hmm. It's more slither or trauma than guardians of the galaxy but it's not like wow i think that's strong i, I mean i get what you're saying it's, it's very like, you can feel the james gunn flavor like it's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely strongly feels like him i mean what other superhero movie is a better comparison same director like similar right. senses of humor similar focus on like an ensemble cast with like a humorous spin on the superhero genre i guess marvel versus dc r-rated versus not but I think they're almost two peas in a pod. I mean, I would say the humor... Uh, well, just, I mean, I guess give my general thoughts. Yes, I also really love this movie. I, As dumb as this is going to sound, it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Like, I knew it was going to be funny, but this was even funnier than I thought, which was a nice surprise for me. You know, it was lewd and, and had a lot of gore, and even that was something that I wasn't expecting the DCEU to allow him to do as far as he took this movie, I think, at times. So, I was very appreciative of that. And I will contest what you're saying a little bit, Amir. I think the humor is different than, you know, like, Guardians is more of like a sarcastic kind of punny humor versus this is a very dark humor yeah that's true the, I'll, I'll i'll take that criticism on the chin that's, you're, you're right about that the guardians is very quippy mm-hmm. very into the heroes sort of making jokes themselves yeah whereas in this movie like funny things happen to the characters in the movie and they're all really bad <laughs> yeah the, the jokes are on the characters the yes, characters exactly. aren't telling the jokes right yep, that's absolutely yeah. i mean there are there is a little bit of characters telling jokes but like um, a lot of it is, like, horrible, horrible things happening to to these characters. But I will say that I do think this movie was just a tad bit long. I think it could have been tightened Ooh. up just a little bit more. I think the stuff that really drags for me, actually, is the Harley stuff in the middle. As much as I, you know, I love uh, Margot Robbie as Harley, it, it does feel a little disjointed when it's, like, Team A, Team B, and then, like, Harley also, and it yeah, I don't disagree, actually. I, I, I agree. I think it could have integrated a little better. It just felt a little uh, heavy in the middle, I think. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think they were like, we have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. We have to fucking use her and give yeah, her a prominent I, I, role. I, I, do, I do agree. I, I think that's what that was. Which is fine. She's fun. But yeah, you can, you can feel it sort of not entirely. Like that B-plot doesn't feel entirely consonant with the rest. I think a lot of the Harley stuff... You kind of feel the length of that because you're like, where is this going, right? But then at the end, it pays off and you're like, oh, that's where that's going. But when you're watching it, it does feel like it's a little overlong and a little chunky to, to digest through. But the payoff is satisfying. And we do get like one of the best action sequences of the movie from it. So reminds me a lot of the like Birds of Prey. Yeah. Which I, I love. I, I don't know if, if it was inspired by that, but it definitely felt like there was a through line between like the way her action is in that movie and that way her action is in this movie. As a flaw, it could have been a lot worse. I think yeah. this is this is fine. I'm, I'm not yeah. too upset about that. Yeah, and I've read like reports that her part was actually cut. There was actually more Harley in, in other cuts that he was thinking about. But I guess, if anything, he, he tried to like dwindle that down as much as he could also. I, I, think, I think more probably would have been too much. As much as I yeah. like her, she, she wasn't the highlight of the movie for me. Although she had some great lines and good action sequences. I didn't feel it being overly long. I can see how you'd be like... When the third act comes around, you're like, wait, another – like, I thought that was the end. Like, why are they doing another 30 minutes of this movie? Mm-hmm. But I, I really enjoyed that final act and what they did with it. 
Yeah, so I mean, we're just gonna go straight into spoilers, right? We'll just, oh, we'll yeah. just talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Weapons hot, talk about all, everything in this movie. So this movie has the same thing that most superhero movies have. It's giant things falling from the sky, giant monsters, all the heroes teaming up to fight it, and here it works. It actually works. I fucking loved Starro. I think it's interesting because maybe I'm biased because just seeing Starro on the screen, <laughs> yeah, on the man. big screen, yeah. is just like, that's so fucking cool. I've been waiting, like, my entire superhero fandom life waiting for something like this. And it's fucking Starro in a, yeah, in a huge budget uh, superhero movie. Like a mainstream movie. How fucking cool is that, right? Yeah, I, I try to be a curmudgeon about this shit, but then it's like millions of people have seen fucking Starro on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> that whips ass. That's great. And the CGI is good. Yeah, and the way it's just drawn is great. Like the bright color of it all. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Most of the movie, I feel like, you know, we get pops of color, but like this is a giant pop. Like when you see him like just standing there against the sky and he's just this bright, blue magenta thing you know it's it's beautiful yeah i love the colors i will say that i i do love the end i love when they you know they actually fight starro and and all that kind of culminates and and the deaths that we see during that sequence i think are great i will say that there was a moment where and specifically it's the scene where like waller tells them like your mission's done just leave you guys are done mm-hmm. i thought maybe just maybe he would do this like he would take it to this point unlike any other superhero movie like you know that's not what the suicide squad is right they're not heroes they don't right. save the day it, it would be a very bold choice to say like okay they're done and then maybe in the background we see like superman fly in or like the flash zip in right and the justice league show up to save the day we know that the problem resolved that actually would have been really really cool um yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. i do 100 percent agree with you derek i think the final heroic charge is definitely out of character for most of these. I mean, they're villains, right? Yeah. So I didn't really buy that they would charge in and do this for the greater good to fight Starro and liberate the city from this alien menace. I don't think that they would have <laughs> done that, um, especially not Harley. Yeah. But I can't say that it doesn't work, right? Like, I can't say that I didn't have fun. And Yeah. I think the emotional beats with Ratcatcher and... and um... Dubois, like, what's his name? Bloodsport. Bloodsport Bloodsport and Ratcatcher, like, work for me. Like, I love their arcs and their Mm -hmm. kind of resolution for this movie. So, as much as, like, I would have wanted to see that alternate version, I'm still very happy with what we got, right? It was super fun, and Harley got to use her spear. She figured out what the spear was for, and Ratcatcher is, like, the most badass character now, right? Like... I would like to get into some of these deaths, right? The deaths are great. I would say I was a little surprised. I was very much expecting like, okay, I'm pretty sure that A-team was going to die. Like even from the trailers, I was like, okay, I get it. A-team's going to die, B-team's going to live, and they're going to save the day. But for them to like take it even further and have like Polka Dot Man die and then still have... Rick Flag die. Rick Flag die. I thought that was pretty bold. I really... It was pretty bold. Not bad. I didn't think they were going to kill off uh, Rick Flag. I thought that that was going to be the guy they were going to you know, used for a sequel or something. I guess that turns mm-hmm. out to be John Cena's Peacemaker, <laughs> which he is way better in this than he is in, the, in those Fast and Furious movies, by the way. Right? Yeah. That contrast between his character. Yeah. John Cena's like goofy and like funny. And like, yeah. I don't know, like he's not a great, I don't know, like super serious, I'm an evil, deadly guy. Like he's not good at that. He's He's good at like, you can't see me on the champ. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's good at like, I don't know, being a big personality, not at being like a super serious, like military guy. Like that, that, that shit sucked. It doesn't work for him. It doesn't yeah, work that for shit him. Sucked. Like I, I, I said this in the F9 episode, right? I was like, he's not good in this role. Like yeah, he's totally better right. when he can cut loose and be a little goofy and like, I mean, he's a pro wrestler, man. Like let him do something. He was very funny in this. He was very funny. I, I love that. Bloodsport and him have like the same like yes uh, backstory <laughs> and everything. It's like hey, you're just fucking me. Why why'd you even hire this dude or whatever? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Well, oh, I just love that Amanda Waller uses the exact same lines, right? Yeah, yeah. She says something like, "Oh, he's he's a, anything in his hand is a weapon. He was trained since birth from his dad. 
but everyone's unique, right, to this team. But then she just goes around <laughs> and says the exact same thing about John Cena. It's so good. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that kind of humor is different than Guardians, and it's so funny. So funny. Yeah, I, I really like the humor in this. I think all the humor landed. I thought King Shark was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I like King Shark. I think there's people who didn't really love King Shark. I liked him. Really? People didn't like King Shark? Yeah. What kind of fucking monster doesn't like King Shark? <laughs> I mean, I personally, I think it's the people that like love King Shark in the Harley series, right? They want that King Shark, right? The dopey one that can like talk and tell jokes. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I really love this King Shark, and I'm, I'm glad we got it. I thought Sylvester Stallone did a fantastic job with, like, yeah. the little dialogue he got. All the things he said as King Shark just cracked me up. He's like, me, book read. It's just really <laughs> fucking funny to me. Yeah. New dumb friends. I, I just really <laughs> like that. I think it's really funny. Yeah, and he's, like, the most powerful member of the group, and I this is a great addition to the team. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I, I like this movie. It was it was just a ton of fun. I will say I had more fun watching it. Well, Amir watched it for the first time with me, and it was my second time. Mm. I had more fun watching it with him than by myself in the theater. I mean, I should hope so. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You're no fun, Amir. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right, but the screening I went to, it was probably the most packed press screening I've been to. Were people not reacting or what? What's going on? And people weren't really reacting. So like huh. when people don't really react, you're like, oh, is this not funny? You start second guessing the the humor and like the line deliveries and everything and the wet blankets in that fucking press screening room. I don't know what oh, that was sucks. up for that. But we were laughing, you were laughing at shit. A lot of the visual gags were fucking hilarious too. Like the competition between Bloodsport yes. and Peacemaker. That was hilarious. To find out that they're, like, not bad people at all. Yeah, they're, like, so all the good, good guys. <laughs> so funny. The best visual gag, I think, in this entire movie, I feel like no one's going to agree with me, but is when Peacemaker takes that axe and stabs that sleeping dude, like, yes. 60 times. Six times. <laughs> he just walks by and like, stab, 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 yeah. and just leaves it in the body. It's so good. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I don't know why. It's just so funny. It's just such visual humor i love that it was it was very very funny i think for me one of the funniest scenes is like right at the beginning when weasel jumps in the water yeah and immediately starts drowning but then it cuts to the war room where it's like completely silent and just (laughs) they're just watching him drown on the screen it's like (laughs) this is the humor i signed up for i i do love dark humor like i agree with you dark it's way funnier than i expected to be i i yeah i i enjoyed it i i really enjoyed that i enjoyed all the bits you guys are talking about i love weasel a lot of people hate Weasel. Dude, Weasel's fucking gross, man. <laughs> people are like, he's so fucking ugly, I never want to see him again. He's so hideous. But I love him. I love that about him. I think James Gunn isn't afraid to like make ugly, disgusting creature characters, and I, I, I love that. It's great. Yeah, that, well, that's why he's funny. That's why it's funny seeing him drown. Like, he's like a yeah. baby-eating, yeah. like, anthropomorphic weasel who drowns in the first ten minutes of the movie. It's great. Yeah. It's like, did anyone check if Weasel can swim? Like, nobody checked. Like, <laughs> that's so good. What did you guys think about the time jumping? Jumping between two timelines at the beginning of the movie and then also at the pretty much the climax of the movie. He, he goes back to that mechanic. I think it's for dramatic effects. I don't think mm-hmm. it entirely works. It's a little choppy. Yeah. I think it works better at the beginning, right? Where we see the team die and then it's like... Yeah, it definitely works better in the beginning. Yeah, you go back mm-hmm. and- the the eight-minute time jump is just for, like, dramatic effects with... Uh, yeah, so you could just link up those two, like that yeah, A and that B plot. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, just- yeah, I don't think when he uses it at the end, at the climax, it doesn't work as well. I think those two stories could have just been working, like, side by side and it would have been fine and i think people would have been able to follow along and i I think his choice to use the the two different timelines at the end wasn't something i was completely convinced by also i wanted to bring up r.i.p to jai courtney as captain boomerang right one of the people that were brought back from the original david Ayer suicide squad yeah gutsy kill there i like that the way he dies is like pretty cool that he gets like impaled by a bunch of twigs and sticks and then the helicopter just like comes and sweeps him away like i thought if anything he got one of the cooler deaths too in the movie yeah it was great because they played up like his relationship with harley and they're mm-hmm. like gone through battle of the first movie together 
it's good that you don't have to watch the first movie to you don't get into yeah, this. absolutely i think that's why it's kind of like a soft reboot and i mean i just want to talk generally for a little bit because like this is the suicide squad movie that i've always wanted to see you know you get like these disposable characters and it's very faithful to the comics, right? I think the iteration of the Suicide Squad that everyone knows is like the John Ostrander run from like the eighties, right? And and this is very very close to that, right? Have you have you read that run by the way? Is that like I a have. Run it's familiar? really good because it's like the intro of Amanda Waller and Viola Davis is very good. She's not Amanda. fat enough. She's not. <laughs> she's fat enough. Not, <laughs> she's she is not fat enough because in the comics she's called the Wall, and you don't really get to see like that side of her because. Yeah, she- She's like this huge, super intimidating woman, right? She's like a formidable, like, fighter, too, because she's so big, but they don't really play up that aspect of her. And they've never actually used anyone, like, fat for this role, like, in any of the live-action roles, right? CCH Pounder's not fat. Pam Greer's not fat. Angela Bassett's definitely not fat. Like, literally nobody who they've used. Cynthia and I Robinson from the Arrowverse, not fat. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't used anybody. Pam Greer was that that wasn't live action right that was one of the animated movies or uh no I think she was on Smallville oh Smallville oh, I forgot yeah. about that show yeah <laughs> there you go this was very faithful to like the Ostrander sensibility are the teams different the teams are different but yeah. a bunch of them are pulled from the comics like Bloodsport's a member of the Suicide Squad obviously Captain Boomerang uh Peacemaker and like Harley Quinn now, but yeah, this King Shark, they're all Suicide Squad members. Yeah. It really captures the comic well, you know, especially like the first mission that goes bad, you know, with Pete Davidson's Blackguard trying to sell them out. You know why it's so similar to like the comics? Because they send them on a mission and like the mission turns out to be cleaning up the fucking dirty secrets of the American government. And that's very, very strander like and that's exactly what this is, right? Because the big reveal is that Starro is an American experiment done abroad to avoid scrutiny, and Waller's trying to cover it up. So that's why they're being sent to Corto Maltese to destroy Starro. So I wanted to ask, was it her intention that all of Team One was pretty much going to die? Yeah. Even Rick Flag. Like, she was going oh. to sacrifice Rick Flag. Oh, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah she, she she says, oh, your mission objectives have changed, because then she learns that Rick Flag is alive. But, like, I feel like she had all intents and purposes to just sacrifice that whole team, even though technically Rick Flag isn't a fugitive, right? He's not someone who's forced to be there. He wants to be there. He's, like, the leader of this team. Was Team B backup, or was Team A a diversion, right? I think that's the question. It's hard to tell, right? It, it does seem... It's hard to tell. It does seem like it was set up that she knew that Team A was going to be, like, in the shit and, like, that she's there, they're a diversion more than um, the the actual team. Because you see the way the team's formed, like, that team's full of shitters, right? You got, like, <laughs> when we're talking about funny bits, it's like when they, like, hype up TDK and he's all like, use your ability and then it just goes there and, like, slaps people. Like, why wasn't his arms, like, holding guns? Right? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> and then... Like, Weasel dies instantly. Really, Javelin um, doesn't really do anything. Javelin just... doesn't do jack shit. <laughs> so it's like, it seems like this team was set up of, like, just people that are not capable of getting this mission done. I don't know. I was expecting a little more out of Mongal, actually. Yeah, just because yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, like, related to Mongol, you know? Like, fucking some war world shit, you know? Yeah. I guess not. She went out like a chump, too. She yeah. jumps on the helicopter and and dies instantly and takes Captain Boomerang with her. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Captain Boomerang, we, we get a cool boomerang kill. At least. We, we get yeah. a cool boomerang yeah, yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah, we do. But yeah, I was under the impression that she was setting up Team A to pretty much die. <laughs> yeah, I thought <laughs> As so. As a diversion. I, I think the one character of the Suicide Squad, at least, we haven't talked about um, yet, is Polka Dot Man. Which yeah, is right. a very obscure character that I, you know, I've never really heard of. I so I had no idea what his backstory was. I had no idea what his his actual powers were, and I don't know if the, if it's accurate. But the way it's portrayed in this movie, I think it's just. I think he's given so much more than I ever thought he would get. Right, I thought yeah, he was going to sure. be the one, the one character that might just like die pretty quickly or definitely not make it to the final battle. But you know, he has great moments throughout the movie. He has this great bit about his mom 
which yeah. is do you have any idea is that actually from like the comics or is this just like a james gun i have no idea i'm not super well versed yeah, with uh-huh. Dot Man either. either but all credit goes to david desmalchian because he did such a good job with him yeah He's getting around with his superhero roles. He yes. does a lot of superhero stuff. Yeah. He's in Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's in The Dark Knight. He's going to be in Dune. He's in animated stuff, too. He's like Calendar Man in, in The Long Halloween. So it's like he, he loves doing superhero stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that he like sees everybody as like his mom. And like we see even our main cast as like versions of his mom. And all the people he like danced with. In the club is his mom and sees Starro as his mom. I thought all of that was super funny and super clever characterization for this, for Pope David. Mm-hmm. And sadly, he he also doesn't make it to the end, right? He, he gets a, a big old fin, I guess. I don't know what you call a starfish uh, yeah. appendage. But yeah. Yeah. He gets squished <laughs> by Starro. Man, now you got me thinking about your like reconfigured ending where the Justice League comes in. <laughs> Because that shit fucking rocks, because that would be a really cool nod to the comics, too, because Starro is the very, very first Justice League villain ever. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. From all the way back in 1960 in the Brave and the Bold 28, I think. First appearance of the Justice League and Starro. Yeah, because he's he's traditionally not a Task Force X or Suicide Squad villain. He's a a Justice League villain. He's a fucking alien starfish, right? And he mind controls people, so. I do like that very last line when he says oh i was just happy floating in the space and looking at the stars i thought that was a nice little touch at the end you know because a lot of the the crux of this story is that america is not the greatest right like we Mm -hmm. we abducted this alien tortured it experimented on it and and it turned it into a weapon turned a weapon it's very analogous like you know like things we know about america at times so Mm -hmm. yeah I, i do like that very last line where it makes it seem like he's not like a true villain, right? He's not. Mm-hmm. He's given the name Star of the Conqueror by the Thinker, but like that—that's not necessarily true, right? We don't know if that's his his end game. Mm-hmm. And I will say that the Thinker, I think, is the one character that's the most disappointing to me. A little underserved, uh, I think. Yeah, but Thinker doesn't like mean anything to me, so I kind of don't give a shit. I'm not like, oh, the Thinker. Like, I don't know. I mean. Are you a big thinker, thinker fan? No, right but like I understand like who he is. You know, he's kind of like the leader, right? In, in like the Marvel verse, like you know, he's like Just the guy with the, big the super brain and is able to kind of like think his way through things and like see steps ahead of everybody. He was just a guy in like a tracksuit. Why does it have to be the thinker? Yeah, he didn't really use his powers or anything that much, right? Yeah, um, yeah. you never, yeah, yeah. you never got to see him flex his metahuman abilities. I'm a Doctor Who fan, so like I love Peter Capaldi, and I love seeing him in like this movie. But yeah, I think that just the idea of the thinker, his character was just a little wasted. Yeah, I do like that it, the movie does jab at the 2016 movie a little bit. You know where what's his name, Rick Flag is like, if you disobey orders, you die, because that's from the 2016 movie, right? Because he says that to all the Suicide Squad in that, mm-hmm. and then here. You have, like, Harley Quinn. Uh, if you have customized license plates, you die. It's just really <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah. Just kind of like a play on, like, the super seriousness of the first movie. Yeah. And, and I, I like that. And I, I do like the nod to her characters throughout the DCU. Like, this character that was very much victimized by, like, the Joker, right? And then, like, we saw her, we'll use the word, emancipation, right? In, in right. The, the Birds of Prey movie. And, like, her, for her to, like, then outright just shoot the guy, right? Like, right in the chest, I thought was pretty funny. I thought it was a good moment. That I was like yeah. a great bit. I thought that was great. Yeah. It shows that kind of growth in her character through yeah, these three movies, yeah. which I thought was pretty funny. I don't know if this is, like, a hot take or not, but... I think Margot Robbie is up there with, like, Chris Evans and, like, Robert Downey Jr., where, like, the film version of Harley Quinn is just Margot Robbie. Like, she embodies Mm. that character so well for the DCEU. And Hugh Jackman. Uh, Yeah, and, like, Hugh Jackman Mm. for Wolverine. Yeah, you can't get away with it. Uh, I think if you're going to bring back the character, you're going to have to bring her back now. Yeah. Mm. I agree. I think I agree. Her New York accent is so good in this, too, like, in all these movies. She just works so hard to, like, bring Harley to life. I think Margot Robbie is just really good. And she does, like, all of her own stunts. Did you know that? That's just crazy. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, nuts. like, I read she did the key thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, all the fight scenes, too. She's she's great in this. I mean, yeah, as much as we kind of 
Nick picked at the the Harley stuff, you know, earlier. I mean, she is still a great actress that really embodies this role that like you, like you said, we can't see anybody else now playing this role, I think. Yeah, totally agree. 100%. Because you never really mentioned it. What's your background with Suicide Squad, Derek? Like- me? I mean, I never read really any of the Suicide Squad comics. I mean, for me, it's mainly from like the animated series and watching some of those animated movies about the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's basically it for me. Uh, I mean, I saw your tweet, Jeff, right, about the the Suicide Squad episode from like Justice League Unlimited. Like, that's a great... The best Suicide Squad adaptation. I still think that's better than this, actually. <laughs> Task Force X, that episode of Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, it's, it's probably better. It's the one where they invade the yeah, station. Yeah, they invade the yeah. station. I think that one is so good because it pits the squad against actual superheroes. Yeah, and the whole Justice League. The whole Justice yeah. League, and it shows like how over their heads they are right how scary the justice league is and like yeah yeah they're so fucking horrifying like martian manhunter if you have to fight him like that's horrifying that's terrifying and that's only 24 minutes it's so economical too just telling that whole story developing all these characters you know like deadshot plastique i mean granted michael rosenbaum's kevin spacey impression doesn't really age that well but it's fine he does a good job as deadshot i did find it weird James Gunn's choice to have Bloodsport and Deadshot be very similar, not just in the way like their powers work, but also like their backstory with daughters that they're trying to protect from Waller, right? Or well, from, I think like, originally the- it was supposed to be Deadshot, right? And then it they couldn't get Will Smith. But I feel like they should have changed up the script a little bit. A little bit, right? Because I feel like they just poured it over Deadshot's backstory onto Bloodsport with yeah, the daughter yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, that's, I did find that a little strange. It just, it was a little too, too, too similar. But I don't understand, because they were thinking about it, and they actually changed it while they were writing the movie because they had storyboards where it was Deathstroke instead of Bloodsport. And I thought Ooh. that could have been kind of cool. Mm, um, yeah. But I don't know. I really like what Idris Elba did with the role. Yes. I think he's great in it. I think he he's is, different yeah. from Will Smith's Deadshot too. I think I think he did a great job with this. Yeah. And like talking about another guy who's been in a ton of comic book properties, right? Yeah. Like I think this is his best roles in in a comic book movie oh by far far, i think he really gets to like flex his acting muscles here i think he's really underutilized in a lot of the other stuff that he's been in like he's just okay as heimdall he's like whatever very disposable just like oh what else has he been in nobody remembers that he was in the losers right (laughs) the losers i never watched the dark tower movie either yeah i couldn't bear it too he's ostensibly the lead here right Yeah, yeah i think he is I mean, it's, it's him or Margot Robbie, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. it's Margot Robbie. I mean, she's the draw for sure. He gets way more screen time than Margot Robbie. That's true. So, yeah, right? maybe, maybe he's the protagonist then and she's the deuteragonist in this. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think it is. I mean, if you're going to point one person out, it's definitely his movie, right? Waller, you know, calls him the leader or calls him a leader, you know? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when you do that, it kind of like puts a target on your back, puts our sights right onto him. I thought his suit was cool. Yeah. Um, kind of differentiate him from Deadshot. You know, he's like pulling weapons from everywhere. Yeah, he's like the little, little weapon like, thing. Wrist mounted crossbow where he flings the little things at people. And like all this nanotech, like all the guns that he pulls out of nowhere. And like in the end when he's shooting at Starro, it's like ridiculous like attachments that he puts on his gun and they, yeah. they expand into this huge cannon. Which I thought was very, very over the top and, and fun. So uh, I guess the last thing I was going to bring up was that there is a a post credit scene, right? That pretty much sets up. Well, there's a mid credits and a post credits. Yeah, mid credits <laughs> is that we find out Weasel didn't actually die, <laughs> and he just scurries off into uh, to go eat, you know, twenty seven more children. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the post credit scene is when we find out that John Cena's Peacemaker didn't die. We knew that he was going to be starring in a HBO limited series or HBO series. I don't know if it's limited called Peacemaker. Typically, when they do these kind of fake outs, like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't like it. If the character dies, he's just say dead. But at the same time, I was happy that he was alive because I really didn't want that series to be a prequel. Because usually, you know, the stigma of a prequels is that, like, well, you know what happens to this character. So, like, it doesn't really amount to much or it takes away some of the weight. So, to know that Peacemaker series is going to be essentially a sequel or, or evolving this character as, as we see it now, mm-hmm. I... 
am probably definitely going to tune in for that now because I did really like John Cena in this role. Yeah, I thought the way he died was funny, or like yes. the way they <laughs> took him out of commission was funny because it was just a callback to Bloodsport and Peacemaker comparing bullet sizes, just like a dick measuring contest. Smaller is better. <laughs> Cool that it was inverted because yeah. Peacemaker is like, oh, my bullets are smaller, so they would go through your bullets. And then what happens in the <laughs> end is that uh, Bloodsport's bullet is smaller, and and it goes through Peacemaker's bullet into his throat. So yeah, I thought very that was, cool callback, and, and yeah, it was. Yeah. And I, I think we mentioned this a little bit, but I think the relationship between Bloodsport and Ratcatcher Two mm-hmm. is great. I, I think uh, Daniela Melchior is really good as Ratcatcher Two. Really brings some like. Oh, we didn't bring up Taika Waititi. Yeah, right? a lot of cameos in this movie. Taika yeah. Waititi is Ratcatcher 1. I thought that was a cute was little funny. cameo. Yeah. Yeah, but Ratcatcher 2 is like the heart of this movie. I really liked her performance mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, like Bloodsport and her little exchange is like, oh, I'm going to get you out of here alive. You know, I, I yeah. really like that too. And I love that he's like scared of rats. Yeah, that's such a funny character beat too. I and like that, that a lot. Scream that he does when he sees it is just hilarious. <laughs> but then there's that. I think it's the final shot, right, where he's like sitting in the plane and he just, he's gonna try to pet the rat. And he's yeah. petting the rat. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. such a great way to end this movie. You know, you know. Besides yeah. the fact that we get the mid credits and post credits, I thought that that was a great, great end, a great button for this movie. A bunch of cool cameos in this too, because Sean Gunn plays calendar man for one second he has like the the months tattooed on his forehead and also a blink and you'll miss it guardians reference because mm-hmm. uh palm clementioff is in this movie too who plays mantis in guardians of the galaxy she's the lounge singer when they go to the the club mm. to get thinker yeah so a lot of people haven't noticed that i think yeah um, but, i did but that, <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think overall I mean, you said it earlier. We all really like this movie. And, of course, you don't feel safe going to theaters. Definitely check it out on HBO Max. I think it's definitely worth your time. Uh, but if you can, if you feel safe, um, it's definitely a, a theater experience. Yeah. I was really rooting for this movie to do well. I don't think it doing poorly has anything to do with the future of this franchise or, like, Hopefully not. James Gunn. I, yeah. I think I think it's great. Listen, the movie pulling, like, over $70 million in a pandemic when theaters are closed and no one wants to go, it's not unimpressive. I think there's something to be said there. It didn't meet expectations. And obviously it's a little disappointing, but you can't discount that fact, I don't think. So I'll just say I'm much happier that that I enjoyed the movie and that it's not making money than it would have been the other way around. Like if it made a million dollars and I hated it, like why would I give a shit? Like whatever. Like the original Suicide so, Squad, Exactly, right? <laughs> right? So yeah. Yeah. like – I mean, let's let's let's, let's not look at yes. fucking gift horse in the mouth here. This was a fun movie. I don't really give a shit if it's making money, except for the fact that we might not get more of it. I guess, but I don't even know if I want more. This was fun. It was good. Like, yeah, that, that's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I had fun I just, with it. The studio doesn't learn the wrong lesson from this and be like, "Well, no one gives a fuck about these characters," and like, we need Will Smith. We need the star power. That's not what happened here. So, like, I hope they don't. No, I mean, it, learn might, that from- it might be what happened here, but I, st- I still think that you could do another Suicide Squad with another, like, I don't know, 10 random supervillains and have it be a good time. I mean, because if you think about it, the ending of this movie, like, they have an out, right? Technically, if they were to do another Suicide Squad, it shouldn't be this team because they're they're out, right? They, yeah. they have the file on, on, on Waller and they have leverage and they don't need to be part of the task force X. So like, I would love to see this almost like an anthology, right? Where it's like, if James Gunn wanted to come back and like have, you know, kill 20 more, you know, people from the DC universe, right? Like that, I think that would be super fun. James Gunn kills the DC universe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One suicide squad movie at a time. Yeah. Honestly, love this movie. I'm I'm definitely going to, at some point, watch it again. You know, I've already watched it twice, but I, I'm definitely looking forward to watching it again at some point. I'm going to diverge from the topic a little bit. Okay. Because I do think this spells very, very bad news for Dune. Ooh. Oh, like box office-wise? I think it's going to be oh, bad. Oh, shit. I think it's going to yeah. be really bad. Oh, actually, I was going to bring up, what about Shang-Chi? Yeah. I don't know. They are not going to premiere, right? They are going strictly theaters only. I'm very worried about that. I'm very worried about Dune. I'm very worried about, yeah. I wanted to get screeners for you guys, but they're not doing screeners anymore. So I think... Is it, wait, for Dune or for <laughs> No, for Shang-Chi. Oh, wow. I mean, I think, I think Shang-Chi does have Marvel to rely on. Like, um, maybe the box office won't do well, but it'll probably do well with, like, Disney 
with the Disney Plus thing subscription. Like it'll no, but it's not going to Disney Plus. It's not doing. Oh, it's the, only. It's in not theaters? doing. Yes, it's that. only going to be in theaters. Oh, that's a really risky move. Then, yeah. I, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's already like doesn't have like the star power of like a Black Widow, right? It doesn't have that direct connection to that first generation of MCU movies that people really love. So it was already a risk, and I feel like people are kind of iffy about this movie as it is. I don't know. I mean, you have to be really deep in comics head to care about Shang-Chi, right? So, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, um... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's delayed. I, I really wouldn't. Get through the Delta variant, at yeah, least. Yeah, maybe, yeah. The, it's rising number because of Delta variant. Well, you're talking then, about Dune, right? Not Shang-Chi. I'm talking about both. I think... Well, it's I, too late for Shang-Chi, because the screening's already set. Oh, I'm is go- it? Yeah, I'm going next Tuesday. Oh, wow. They're not going to delay it. They're not going to delay oh, it. Man. I wonder if this movie is going to be like the sacrificial lamb to test how it does independently from Disney Plus. Uh, Disney Plus Premier Access, right? right? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. you need that control group to see like how it does without the Disney Plus cannibalizing your ticket sales, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the long run, this is the right move because you don't want day and date. You want to separate. I don't know, even like 15, 20 days, get the first two weeks of the box office out of the way. I think the the Delta variant is the one thing that's just killing everything right now. So we'll 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 see. I don't know. So you think that they might do it in theaters for like two weeks and then maybe drop it on Disney Plus for premiere access then? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. But I think Black Widow would have done much, much better if they had like a two week uh delay between the theatrical and, and Disney Plus. Right, because once it's on Disney Plus, the piracy's all there. People who would typically buy more than one ticket to go see it twice won't do it. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many ways that the day and date is cannibalizing your theatrical. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think even then, till now, it's completely different because the Delta variant wasn't even a thing when Black Widow came out. Only like exactly, yeah, a month or two ago, right? So. It was a thing, but it wasn't as big as it is now, I feel like. This movie, Suicide Squad, was a consequence of that. I, I do think. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I really want to see Saint chi and I really want to see Dune in the theater, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess if that is all, that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Find my corpse rotting and corporal Maltese. <laughs> How about you? Uh, you can find me at the world's OKS photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you liked this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other other popular podcast apps. If uh, you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on this episode for The Suicide Squad, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting your emails. We read them out on the pod, so feel free to shoot us that line. And then we will see you guys next week. All right, see you next week. See you guys then.